This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. The Champions League is back and so is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast. Welcome along everyone to the Blood Red channel with myself, Patrick Smith, as we bring you all the tactical insight and inside info on Liverpool's next opponents. As I'm sure you're all aware, the Reds begin their European campaign with a trip to Naples to take on Napoli for what seems like the 10th time in about five years. But joining me now to give us all the lowdown on the Neapolitan opponents is Liverpool.com writer and Serie A expert Emmett Gates. Emmett, how's things? Hi, Pat. Uh, nice to be on to talk about some uh, some Napoli again. Um, obviously, as you said, it's only been the, the, the 50th time in 10 years <laughs> that Liverpool and Napoli have squared off. So, yeah, I don't know if there's even much really to say compared to the last few times because they've met so often over the last few years. Um, but yeah, happy to be on. Well, I'm going to give you the title of our in-house Calcio expert. So, just generally, how's Napoli's season gone so far and what can we expect from them as a side? They've actually been, um, they've actually surprised me because at the beginning of the season, I had major doubts due to the fact that they had sold a lot of key players. Obviously, Kalaru Kulabadi left for Chelsea. Lorenzo Insigne left, you know, to go to semi-retirement in the MLS. Fabian Ruiz left. Dries Mertens left. That's a lot of heavy hitters in terms of A, on the pitch, and B, within the dressing room. You know, those players have been there for the last six, seven, eight, nine years. And they were big, they were big players within the locker room. So to lose the spine of the team, um, I kind of felt that Napoli would struggle a bit. But in saying that, uh, the club president, Aurelio De Laurentiis, has bought very, very well. Um, he, he didn't make any really massive signings, but he's made, you know, several... 20, 30, 40 million euro signings. And it's actually made Napoli a lot better. I wrote a, an article a couple of weeks ago about how without Ruiz and Lorenzo Insigne, actually Napoli are a lot more dynamic. Because while those two were very technically very good, they slowed, especially Insigne in the last couple of years on the left wing. He, every Everybody and their dog knew what Insigne was going to do. Come off off the left, cut inside and try and bend the ball into the opposite top corner. But defenders could read him so well, it kind of lost, you know, it was a diminishing law of returns. Um, it just wasn't working anymore. And so now, without Insigne and Fabian Ruiz, actually Napoli are a lot more dynamic. So they're actually probably more of a threat this season than they were last season. And yeah, they have really surprised me. You know, until yesterday, uh, Atalanta's went over Manza, Napoli were top of the table. Um and they have they, they do they look a better side this season. Obviously it's it's early doors and you know, you know, last season they won eight out of eight. And a lot of people thought they would win the, their first Skidetto for thirty-two years, but they, they faltered away in the early spring. So uh, yeah, it is early doors, but they have really surprised me this season. Um and they will do better than I expected, you know, say a month ago. I mean, yeah, there's been so much change at Napoli, hasn't there? So many faces coming and going. And because of that, we're going to have to work from the team from back to front, I think, because there's so much to talk about. I mean, so obviously, the main absence since the last meeting of the two clubs is Kaladu Koulibaly, obviously, since he's gone to Chelsea. Has this left their defence wanting? You know, it's quite a big hole to leave in that defence, isn't it? Kaladu Koulibaly, one of the best defenders in the world. How would you get over that? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was the thing. It was, how, how do you, who, who do you replace Koulibaly with? And... 
Napoli over, especially in the De Laurentiis years, whenever a big player departed, he was generally good at bringing in a replacement. Um, like, for example, when Addison Cavani left to go to PSG, they sing Gonzalo Higuain. So he generally replaces one big player with another big player. But he didn't this time. He went with a South Korean defender. Um, and he's actually been pretty good so far. He scored in the in the 4-0 win. I'm trying to remember. It was against Monza. And he's actually been pretty good. His name escapes me now. Um, uh, Kim Min Jae, is it? Yeah, Kim Min Jae. And he's actually been pretty good at the back. Um, and he seems a bit of a character. You know, his uh, inauguration video or song. You know, obviously clubs have traditions of singing songs to ingratiate themselves into the club. And uh, he was singing, he sang a song, uh, Gangnam Style, if you remember that, from like <laughs> 10 years ago. Um, so he seems a bit of a character. And he settling quite well. Um, but I mean, Koulibaly is still a massive, a massive player to you know replace. But so far, it's been so so far so good. But in saying that, you know, the season is still young, and it's interesting to see you know if he can fully replace Koulibaly, who was absolutely exceptional for Napoli over the last seven eight years. But I do think that Napoli did sell Koulibaly at the right time. I don't think he was a defender of a couple of years ago. Say maybe two, three years ago, but he was still, you know, obviously one of the best defenders in Serie A. But I think Napoli did well, A, to sell him when they didn't, and B, get 40 million euros for him, and then C, uh, bring in an adequate replacement for him so far. Yeah, they're a very cleverly run club, seemingly. Well, chronologically, next in the team is probably a word that Liverpool journalists want to put a ban on is the word midfield. I mean, let's yeah. face it, we're going to be talking about Liverpool's midfield all season, aren't we, Emmett? Now, can Napoli's midfield cause them problems? Because Liverpool's midfield is troubled at the moment and they could be prone to even more problems, couldn't they? Yeah, especially the the current state of Liverpool's midfield. You know, it's not... If it was Liverpool's first-choice midfield, you would say, yeah, I mean, they would still have, you know, too much for Na- Napoli's midfield in that particular battle. But considering what way Jurgen Klopp's midfield is going to be tomorrow night, it's... Yeah, it, it really makes it that midfield battle a lot more evenly balanced, I think. You know, with Napoli, you've got... Frank Nguisa, Zambo Nguisa, who's was signed on loan from Fulham last year, and really impressed. Um, he was dynamic, powerful, strong, and Serie A really doesn't have too many midfielders of that type. Generally, midfielders in Serie A either tend to be like regista technical players like a Fabio Ruiz, or more attacking midfielders. But there, there's not many backs to backs. Um, midfielders, Nicolo Barella being one of the few who's been linked with Liverpool um, again this week. So he was very good last season. Napoli kept him, I think they signed him for 15 million euros, which is a bit of a snip. Um, and he's did really well. Stanislav Labatka, who was signed during the Reno Gattuso era, but wasn't really a favourite of Gattuso's. Since Luciano Spalletti has come in, he's pretty much given the keys of the midfield to Labatka, who is a very low centre of gravity, very quick, good in the tackle, a bit of an all-rounder. Um, and you do see shades of Andres Iniesta in him, just the way he turns on the ball, he just spins on a dime. Um, obviously, he's not as good as Iniesta, but you do see shades of Iniesta in him. Um, so it'll be likely Anguisa, Lobatia, and maybe Tongay Ndombele, maybe in a, in a three in midfield. Napoli have played with like a double pivot, but it really doesn't seem to have worked as well. They seem better in a three. Or it could be Piotr Selinski, who again has been linked to Liverpool you know, over the last few years. Um, he's generally been the one that bomb up and down um, on the left, can go backs to backs and gets on the end of, go, you know, 
can score goals. Um, and so, yeah, Napoli's midfield is nicely balanced now and it's a lot more dynamic without Ruiz who would slow the play down. He would build up from the back, but he was generally very slow in it. Very precise, but slow. So, yeah, Napoli's midfield has definitely improved, I would say, over last season. And then given the current state of Liverpool's midfield, it actually will make for a nice battle, I think. Yeah, exactly. Because Italian midfields sometimes do struggle in Europe because they're so used to that slow style and you know, like the Fabian Ruiz type of players. But it's interesting if Napoli are getting more dynamic and especially interesting. You've written the podcast headline there at the the because like any Esther, I'm sure that one's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> I just wanna I just wanna say he's not as good, but there is the way he just he gets the ball and spins with his back to the player. There are wee shades of Iniesta in him. Obviously not as good. So I just want to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really teasing. So next up obviously Napoli's attack. Everyone's gonna be aware of Victor Oshimen. There's a question over his fitness, whether he'll play or not. But there's been someone else, hasn't there, who's just burst onto the scene out of nowhere. I'll have a go at presenting his name, the Georgian winger, Kvetsha Kuratskila. I think that's yeah. as close as I'll get. But it's an exciting time for Napoli's attack moving on from Insigne, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like what I was saying earlier, Insigne over the last few years, you know, Insigne was never the quickest. But over the last two or three years, his pace has really gone downhill. And he... He would slow Napoli's attack all the way down. If they were on the counter attack and Insigne got the ball, you could be rest assured the counter attack wouldn't amount to anything because he would just try the same, uh, the same routine over and over again, cut inside and try to bend the ball into the opposite corner. Um, and now they're saying, uh, yeah, I was I went onto YouTube to try and learn how to pronounce his name, <laughs> uh, and I've practiced it like six, seven times. <laughs> We'll say the kid from Georgia. Yeah, the Georgian winger. <laughs> yeah, the Georgian winger. Um, and he's just, honestly, he's come out of nowhere. You know, you would have to be a very diehard football observer to say, you know, to put your hand up and say, yeah, I saw him coming two or three years ago. You know, not many people knew a whole lot about him, but uh, Spalletti put him straight into the team and he's he's been electric in the first four or five games. He's tricky, he's quick. He can go, you know, inside, outside. He's pretty much everything that Insigne isn't anymore. Um, and he's made Napoli's attack much more rounded, much more unpredictable. And as you know, Pat, in football, if your attack is more unpredictable, the better it is, the more difficult you are for teams to the opposition to stop you. So he's been on the left. Ozyman, obviously, through the centre. And generally, Herwin Lanzano on the right. Or Matteo Politano coming off the bench. But Lanzano, as far as I know, is going to be out. Uh, of this game after he picked up a nasty injury against uh, Lazio on Saturday and he could be actually out for a while. It seems well Lozano, when he gets an injury, he gets a serious injury and he's generally out for months as opposed to weeks. Um, I remember last season he got a nasty eye injury from Mexico and he was out for three or four months. So when he does injuries, he does them big. <laughs> so he's going to be out. So I imagine Politano will come in. And they also signed Giacomo Raspadori. Um, towards the end of the window from Sassuolo. He hasn't really settled in yet because he's just arrived, but he's another very good player. And, you know, he could come off the bench as well. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, Raspadori looks like a brilliant little sign-up for Napoli. But, um, I mean, Lucio Spalletti has been in place for over a year now. They've been freed from the shackles of Gattuso, if you like. I mean, how has Napoli's style changed there? Because he's obviously brought in these new players. He's given Kvetcho a chance. He's given Lobotka a chance. How can we expect them to set up in terms of style and, you know, formation? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, as I alluded to earlier, um, last season it was 4-3-3 all the way. Um, 
and this season he's alternated between a four three three and a four two three one. Um and against uh Lazio he tried in Dombele and in Guisa as a double pivot and it didn't really work. Um I think Napoli seemed better suited to a four three three and he's made them more attacking. Um although Spalletti isn't as attacking as he used to be in his, his first stint in Roma back in the late noughties. He's kind of reined in his attacking intent. Um, but compared to Gattuso, who was more about, you know, fighting spirit and digging in, and um, Napoli are definitely a lot more attacking. Um, but he generally, it seems that he wants to try and make Napoli a bit more unpredictable with the double pivot. Um, but I think the players in the squad, Napoli are more suited to a 4-3-3. So that's how Napoli will almost be guaranteed to set up against Liverpool tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, so we've gone for the Napoli team. So... Which players would you say are the main danger? You know, where do you, where do you think they will cause Liverpool problems the most? Um, I think, I think in the wings they will especially be dangerous. You know, obviously we know Andy Robertson and Trent like to push on, push high up the pitch. If Napoli can get in behind, they have the pace to hurt Liverpool. Um, Politano will come in for Lozano as I as I said earlier, and he generally likes to cut in on his left foot and whip crosses in for Ossiemen. If he, if doesn't play, then Napoli. It's difficult to say how Napoli will line up because it's there. Spalletti's team is geared up towards him and getting the most out of him. If he's not there, Raspadori would probably come in, who's like five foot four, and you're not going to cross balls into <laughs> into Raspadori. It's just not the way they're set up. Um, although they did sign Giovanni Simeone, Diego Simeone's son, um, who who might also come in. He's been on the bench, hasn't really played much since signing. Um, he can pose a bit of a threat early, but he's more running in, running down the channels in behind type of striker. Um, so Ossiemen obviously is the, the clear one. In midfield, as I said, Lobatje is good and Guisa has good energy, dynamic. Um, and then Giovanni uh, Di Lorenzo, the right back, also is he's most like best way to compare him would be like an Italian Trent, likes to bomb forward. And when he's not in Napoli side, Napoli aren't really the same team. So those would be my picks of the players to look out for. Zilinski likes to get forward, tactically very good, dynamic as well. Um, so they, they have several players to watch out for, but obviously Asimen is the main one. He is very gangly, difficult to mark. He's a powerful, strong. Has a, is a, he almost gallops. He doesn't run. Um, if he, if Napoli get on a counter, he could cause serious damage against Liverpool. Um, him and Van Dijk actually would make a good uh, foot race to kind of see who would win because you know Asiman is he's probably I don't know obviously don't have that the heights of both players off arm, but I would you know maybe make a guess and say there's not much in it in terms of height wise between Van Dijk and Asiman, and they're both very fast, so that would make an interesting foot race see who would win uh, but yeah those would be my picks of the players to, to look out for yeah let's hope Osman doesn't play because that's going to be a hell of a battle if he does have to go against yeah. Van Dijk and Zielinski as well a name I'm sure that most of our listeners and viewers will be familiar with linked to Liverpool for about five transfers yeah. in a row <laughs> in the late 2010s I mean, but on the flip side of my previous question what's the weak point of the Napoli side and where can Liverpool get out on do you reckon I would say left back. Uh, Mario Mario Rui has been at Napoli, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And on his day, he can be decent. Um, and he's got a good left foot on him, but he's not defensively the best. So if Trent could get behind him, 
Frank can cause serious damage. Um, Napoli's other central defender, Rahmani, has his good days and bad days. But you imagine if he's on a, a bad day, you know, the likes of, you know, Darwin Nunez and Mo Salah could feast on him. Um, and I would have said, if we, if we were having this conversation a month ago, I would have said Liverpool would easily win the midfield battle. But as we have said, given the current state of Liverpool's midfield, it's more evenly balanced now. Um, but you do imagine if Liverpool, you know, click, they should have enough at least to get a very, you know, to get a draw. Because obviously Liverpool have never won in Naples. It's a tough place to go. And as we've seen, you know, Napoli have beaten Liverpool, you know, in the last two times that they've met in Naples. So it's going to be difficult for Liverpool, even more so considering the current injury crisis. Um, but yeah, they do have weak points. And obviously, pace is a thing. Napoli can, obviously, I said they're more dynamic. They can keep that intensity up, but not for 90 minutes whereas Liverpool are generally used to 90 minutes. So I think Napoli would tire at, at a certain point, and it's just whether Liverpool can you know, maximise and take advantage. Yeah, let's hope Salah can exploit them down that left-hand side. It seems to be the Achilles heel of this team at the moment. I mean, in general for Napoli this season then, what's their aim? You know, Domestically, can they push what seems like, in my memory, probably one of the best Serie A title races that we're set for in a long time? Or do you reckon they'll be more focused on Europe or maybe a cup? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to say. Like, again, if we talked a month ago, I I wouldn't have put Napoli even in the top four. I, I would have said, you know, it would have been obviously the big three, Milan, Inter, Juve, and then Roma, you know, because they've come on leaps and bounds under Mourinho and Mourinho was actually starting to put something together. Um, but considering Napoli's start, I generally think they could make the top four. They could actually win the title because Serie A is very evenly balanced this, this year. You know, you, you can't, you know, put your hand and say, right, Inter's going to win it or Milan's definitely going to win it. Juve, I don't think, have much of a chance. So Napoli could be, again, like last season, they could be that third contender. Um, but definitely, at the very least, top four, they should achieve it. You know, And maybe, you know, a decent run in the Champions League. I mean, you, you, you do expect Napoli to get out of the group along with Liverpool. You know, I mean, these two teams should, in theory, come first and second. You know, they should get at least into the round of 16, maybe even the quarterfinal if the draw is nice. Um, in terms of the Coppa Italia, they could make a run, but Napoli really haven't, you know, got, well, sorry, I think they're back. They won it a couple of years ago. <laughs> but in the last couple of seasons, that really hasn't been their priority. Getting back into the top four has been the priority. And then last season, they was trying to win the league and they fell away. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, in terms of where my expectations were a month ago, they've definitely surpassed it. And I do think they're a much better team. And I think they will get better as the season goes on and the new signings integrate further. So, yeah, I definitely do think Napoli could win silverware this year. I don't see why not. Well, well, the last question will go back to the match on Wednesday night. So, we've spoken about a few injuries and suspensions in the Napoli squad. So, how do you predict their lineup? Oh, I'll say. Uh, Alex Morata being goal, I'd say um, Di Lorenzo, Rachmani, uh, Kim Jim May, and probably Mario Rui on the left. I would say midfield three of Lovatka, Anguisa, and Zilienski. And then Ossiman down the middle, Matteo Politano, and the Georgian kid. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. <laughs> no, I'm sure the, the BT Sport commentators will have an interesting evening trying to do that. I actually lied at it because that wasn't the last question. This one is the last question. And it's normally one that 
can wind up opposition reporters, but as a Liverpool supporter yourself, a Liverpool writer yourself, I should correct myself, I'm going to have to ask you for a score prediction. Oh, uh, I'm going to sit on the fence and go for a 1-1. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to go the same. I'm going to be boring. I can see that happening. Maybe a nil. I think both sides will probably take a draw. I don't think we need to go for it that much. But anyway, Emmett Gates, thank you so much for joining me. Brilliant as ever with the knowledge of all things Serie A. A pleasure, Pat, and hopefully we'll get a good game tomorrow. Absolutely. Well, that's all we've got time for today, everyone. Thank you so much for watching and listening along. Be sure to keep updates with all the pre-match build-up and post-match reaction to Liverpool's trip to Napoli, as we'll bring you everything you need, including Jurgen Klopp's press conference. But for myself, Patrick Smith and Emmett Gates, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.